1: Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now, your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, attorney Bob Bergman.
2: Hi, good afternoon, Bay Area. Um, I got contacted by one of my listeners earlier today with some questions, and and that was kind of neat. And uh, so it's nice to know there's people listening. And if you have questions of me, you can always email me at radio at lawbob.com. If it's a question I can give you a quick answer to, I'll be happy to respond back to you. Uh, just understand I'm not getting giving comprehensive legal advice when I respond back to a question that you may email to me because there may be other things that need to be asked and answered in the course of that question. But feel free at any time to email me to radio at lawbob.com. I love hearing from people who listen to the show, and I'm very happy to answer questions if I'm able to do so. Uh, you don't have to come in and sit down with me for a quick question. I'm happy to do that. Now, speaking about um, answering questions, um, I am live today. I will be able to take your questions on the air if you'd like to call in. So the number is eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. 516 1220 That's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. 516 1220 I also want to let you know that I am going to be having my estate planning seminars, the Living Trust Seminar, coming up October 19th uh, at 9 a.m. and then another one at 12 o'clock noon. That is a Saturday. It's in my office. I can take somewhere between 12 and 15 people Attending, So if you'd like to come to one of those seminars, uh, the time to register is now. They're already starting to fill up. I think one of them is already half full. So uh, to register, you can go to my website at lawbob.com, or you can go to eventbrite.com and look for the Living Trust Seminar on October 19th at my office in San Jose. And then also a heads-up to you, my listening audience, um, I'm in the process of setting up two public seminars that will be held at the Camden Community Center uh, on um, basically, where is that? It backs up to Camden Avenue, but it's Camden at Union in San Jose. The tentative dates for those are Wednesday, Wednesday, November thirteenth, starting at seven o'clock, going till about eight thirty or so, and then Thursday, November fourteenth, again starting at seven o'clock, and going to about eight thirty or so. Uh, once those dates and times are nailed down, I will be putting them up on Eventbrite as well and on my website, where you can you can register through the website as well. And um, they, those seminars will be able to take. About 50 people each, which means there'll be more room to actually um, uh, for for more people to come into those seminars. It's in the evening, uh, it's after dinner. So uh, for those of you who can't really come on a Saturday or like to go do something during the week, this is a chance to come and learn about estate planning and living trusts and probate avoidance and conservatorship avoidance and all kinds of things that I do as an attorney. So Uh, I love having large groups. I think the largest group I've ever had at a seminar was 100 people. I literally ran out of materials to hand out, and I had to get names and addresses to mail them out to everybody after I got back to my office. But here, I'm taking that group of 100 and breaking it into two separate times. But if you can't wait until November, you can come in in October on the 19th, Saturday morning at 9 o'clock or Saturday at noon. If you want to call in again, if you're just tuning in, the number is 800-516-1220. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I'm going to dive right into the show today and uh, talk about more questions and comments that uh, come from around the state of California, real situations and real issues that, um, that are happening to people around the state. So let's see here, I'm going to flip through my notes here, see, okay, alright, here uh, someone said, my father wants to quit paying the fees and maintenance charges for his timeshares in California. What will happen if he does? I'm not sure why this was put in as an estate planning question, but the short answer is that uh, it literally depends on the contract that uh, the father signed for the timeshares um the most likely result is that if you stop paying the fees eventually the timeshare owner the the company that's running the timeshares will take legal action to foreclose on the timeshare and then take it back when which means they can then turn around and resell it but the uh something to be aware of there is every timeshare contract is different and you want to make sure Uh, to read the fine print because if you stop paying it may mean that you still are liable and the bill will just keep uh, growing and growing until they they take the person to court to collect on all those unpaid fees and maintenance charges so timeshares you know there's some good ones or some very bad ones and you could end up stuck being on the hook for life even if you can't use the timeshare anymore So uh, I would say there you have to read the contract, take it to an attorney locally to look it over, see what it says happens if you don't pay. Now here's someone who's talking about their, uh, their mother's bank statement. Mom is mentally competent. She was previously listed as the trustee of the trust she had with her and my late father, but now it shows my mother as a grantor and my sister as a trustee. My mother didn't mean to transfer all power to my sister. My question is, does my mother still have power to write checks on her bank account or has she given over power of her assets to my sister? Uh, Well, first of all, the mother was the grantor of the trust to begin with because she's a creator of the trust. That doesn't change, but she could step down as the trustee or person in charge of the trust. Now, If she's no longer on the account as a trustee and it's an account owned by the trust, then she can't really write checks on the account. I think the more likely thing is the sister was added as a trustee so that both the sister and the mother can write checks on the account. But uh, if the mother's the grantor, uh, she has the authority to replace the sister at any time. So if the sister is acting in a way that mom doesn't like mom can basically refer as the trustee because it's mom's trust and it's mom's property now here okay in an irrevocable trust if all the beneficiaries and the successor trustee agree unanimously can they pick a new successor trustee of their own choosing that's an excellent question the short answer is yes if the trust authorizes a new successor to be selected in that way. For example, my trusts give a lot of ways to select a trustee or successor trustee um, by often by the the beneficiaries of the trust, the income beneficiaries. Um, The idea is to be able to name successor trustees without having to go through the court system. But if this trust does not permit that kind of way of selecting a successor trustee which i'll say most older trusts do not then the only real way to select a new successor trustee for the trust that everybody wants would be to go to court to modify the trust to uh to reflect the new successors that they want to have in the trust there well we're coming up on the first break of the show today Uh, I am taking calls, 800-516-1220, if you'd like to call in and uh, ask me a question. You can also email me at radio at lawbob.com if you'd like to email me a question to answer on the air. But uh, I'll be coming back after this short commercial break, and we'll continue on with more Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, attorney Bob Bergman, broadcasting from San Jose in my office. Talk with you after the break.
1: This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Hi, welcome back. I am taking calls on the air today. If you'd like to call in, it's 800-516-1220. Um, But barring anybody calling in, I'm going to continue on with more questions and comments from around the state of California here. Now, here's a question out of San Francisco. And the person's asking, as a beneficiary of a family trust in California, am I entitled to a copy of the trust after the creator of the trust dies? And the answer is yes. You're entitled to a copy of the terms of the trust. It's part of the probate code statutory scheme here in California. Probate Code section 16061.7, yes, it's that precise. <clears throat> specifically requires the trustee of a trust that is irrevocable to contact all of the beneficiaries of the trust and all of the intestate heirs of the person who died. They that would be the people who would inherit from that person if there was no estate plan of any kind no will no trust anything like that and as part of that notice there's specific information that has to be passed on including the fact that there is a trust if there were amendments to the trust and then either providing a copy of everything to the person or indicating that they may request a copy of everything from the successor trustee of the trust that's the person who's now in charge of the trust my practice when I do administration of a trust after someone's died is to actually provide copies of the documents as part of the notice when that is done it limits the amount of time that a person can complain about the trust or attack the trust to 120 days after The notice is sent out after 120 days, people can't go to court and complain about things anymore. If you don't provide a copy of the terms of the trust with the notice, then you have to provide a copy within 60 days. Um, uh, You have to provide a copy um, when it's requested, and then the person requesting gets an additional 60 days in which to... uh, file a complaint if they want to. So the actual law says you have the later time of 120 days or 60 days from the date you request a copy of the terms of the trust if you didn't get a copy uh, with the original 120 day notice. So conceivably it could go as much as 180 days uh, or six months basically. Uh, So I always provide everything up front which cuts it off at four months because when we're doing trust administration, we're trying to get everything taken care of. We want to get everything taken care of. We want to make sure that that things can be wound up, distributed out as quickly and efficiently as possible. It's one of the advantages of doing living trust planning instead of relying on going through the probate courts with a will or no will at all because the probate courts are likely to take nine months to a year or more before you can finally get things distributed out, so that's why I uh, I uh, tend to promote trust planning, and also tend to promote uh, sending out everything up front in trust administration. So here um, here's a situation. I'm sure this comes up more more not more often than not, but it certainly comes up probably fairly frequently throughout the state, it being a big state. Says, says, um, my dad made up his living trust. Um, we did everything it says it's required to do. Make your own living trust. So this was a do-it-yourself situation. We finished his trust August 17th, and he signed it, and we were going to go have it notarized, but he died before we can do that. Um, now, the question is, is the trust required to be notarized here in California? The answer to that question is no. No trust that's created by someone has a legal requirement that it be notarized here in California. Now, some states do have that legal requirement, and you even have Florida that has a legal requirement that the trust be witnessed by three people, um, which is the only one I'm aware of that has that requirement. But you don't actually have to have a trust notarized it's a better practice to have it notarized because now it gives some, uh, some independent confirmation that the person who signed that document as the grantor or trustee is, in fact, that person and someone didn't just forge their name on a document. Uh, when you have a notarized uh, notarization, you've got an independent person, namely the notary, that's verifying ID information of the person that signed the document. So that's the better practice is to have it notarized, but there's no legal requirement that it be notarized. And I'm sure there are people that are looking at trusts, maybe even right now they've looked at a trust and realized, gosh, it was never notarized. I, you know, I guess that means it's no good. The answer is it's probably perfectly fine if it's here in California that it was uh, signed. Now here, um, here's another uh, trust question, uh, trustee question. Uh, my parents have a living trust, and they've named me as a successor trustee first, and then my brother. There's currently uh, a house in the trust that's for sale, but I'm unable to sign the paperwork since I'm out of state. i me pause right there. You can sign the paperwork even if you're out of state. There's a thing called FedEx. <laughs> uh, you can have papers FedEx to you and get them the next day, sign them, and FedEx them back. Uh, so that they're back the day after that. Um, we have the ability to have paper signed all over the place, um, even all over the world, uh, pretty quickly by using courier services and delivery services like FedEx. But let's assume that um, this person's way out in the middle of nowhere, uh, up in Alaska somewhere, where you have to go by dog sled in order to get to them. Now... The question is, he said, can my brother, who's the second successor trustee, sign the closing documents for the sale? And he says, my brother wants me to sign a certificate of resignation of trustee and add the language for the sale of this particular property only. But I don't want to resign. I just want to be able to sign for this single transaction. Well, it's... Likely that as the current trustee, you could grant a limited power of appointment to your brother to sign on your behalf to sign the closing paperwork. And a limited power of appointment means it's limited to just signing the paperwork to sell that property. And it would be the trustee delegating the authority to sign. Now, the trusts that I prepare have the ability to do that delegation. It's it's explicitly in there. I would check in this case to see if the title company would be okay with a power of attorney in favor of the brother to sign on behalf of the brother who is currently acting as the trustee. So we're coming up now on the second break of the show today. Um, Again, if you want to call in, it's 800-516-1220. I'm happy to take your call on the air, but uh, if no one's calling in, that's fine. After the break, when I come back, I'll be continuing on with more questions and comments from around the state of California. So after the break, we'll come back. Until then, this is attorney Bob Bergman, and we'll get together again after this commercial break.
1: Back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman.
2: Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue on this afternoon with more questions and comments, but um, it occurred to me uh, during the break that the, the listener who contacted me earlier today with some questions also indicated uh, that he or she, I, I'm not sure if it's he or she, I really can't tell from the name. It's a name I'm not familiar with had actually downloaded all 49 podcasts that I have at kdow.biz, that's B-I-Z, podcasts which are of my show. Um, So uh, just for future reference, if you miss one of my shows, uh, first of all, right now I believe they're rebroadcasting on Tuesday evenings from 6 to 7 p.m., and I think they're still rebroadcasting on Saturday afternoons from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock on KDOW, 1220 AM. But you can also go to kdow.biz, B-I-Z, and look for the podcast and go down. I'm about halfway down. And you can find the podcast for my shows going back to my first podcast in March of 2018. So I have, I guess, 49 of them. There'll be 50 after today. So this is a a milestone-reaching, 50 podcasts that are recorded. You can, like uh, with any podcast, you can subscribe to the feed, which means if you can't listen to the show live, you can get the podcast of the show delivered to you through the feed so that uh, you can listen to it. What this listener indicated was uh, they downloaded the podcast and I think probably loaded them onto a, a flash drive because they have a car where you can plug that in and play things back, play back your music collection, for example, but then listens to the podcast while driving around. And um, that's a great idea. I do the same kind of thing when I'm doing continuing education for my my law license. I download the the uh, the seminars and then I listen to them while I'm driving around. So that I can get my time in. It's a great way to multitask, and especially if you're getting caught in traffic on the way to the work, uh, why not listen to one of my podcasts and at least learn something while you're stuck in traffic? <laughs> okay, so um, moving on, more questions and comments from around the state of California. here's one Here's one that's actually out of San Jose, um, uh, my town where I practice here. And it says, "Mom has a living trust for property for me and one other sibling. My third sibling is an adopted one, and Mom does not wish for the third one to inherit or lay claim to anything when Mom dies. She's worried that because the third one is adopted uh, the adopted sibling can contest this. Is this true? Well, first of all, full full disclosure." I am adopted myself, and I have two siblings, and in my family, I was never treated or even considered to be eligible to be treated any differently than my sisters. Uh, I think adoption can be a fantastic thing. Uh, Without adoption, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I don't know where I'd be living in the world because I was not born here in the United States. I was born in North Africa to an Italian mother. So even though my last name is Bergman, that's not my birth name. My birth name uh, was actually Italian, not Swedish, like the name that I carry today. But in the case here, anybody can contest a trust after someone's died. We'll start with that. The uh, A child who's adopted is a legal child. Um, they might have a little bit stronger case to contest a trust, but... My concern here would be, why is the third adopted child being left out? Um, Did they anger mom? Are they disrespectful to mom? Have they cut off contact with mom? Uh, What is the reason why? I would want to document exactly why one of three children is not being left anything. But yes, it could be contested. But in order to successfully contest the adopted child here, would have to be able to prove that the trust leaving everything to the two other siblings was acquired through fraud, undue influence, or signed by mom when she was mentally incompetent and she didn't know what she was doing. Um, Those are kind of tough standards to overcome to prove that uh, you should be able to contest a trust and maybe have it undone and... uh, so that you can get, quote, your fair share. But um, the short answer is that um, anyone can decide to disinherit anybody in their family. There is no absolute right to inherit from a parent. Uh, Some countries in the world, there is an absolute right to inherit something from a parent, even if you and the parent can't stand each other, even if you've been estranged for 25 years. Even if you hate the parent and the parent hates you and and you want nothing to do with them, uh, many countries you're entitled to a share of the parent's estate anyway. The United States, you're only entitled to a share of the parent's estate if they did no planning at all and you are the next in line to inherit, called the intestate heir, which I talked about earlier in the show today. Okay, here is someone that says... um, I am the executor of my recently deceased mother's living trust. Let's put a pause button here. The executor is someone named in a will or last will and testament. What this person means is they are the successor trustee of their mother's living trust now that mom has died. There's no property other than her home, which has a clear title. There are four beneficiaries. There's one bank account on which... This person is already a signer and one small stock holding. And the question is, do I need letters testamentary? Well, if the house is owned by the trust, if the bank account is owned by the trust, if the stock is owned by the trust, letters testamentary are not needed. In fact, they're not relevant because letters testamentary are issued by a probate court. To the executor of a will or administrator of an estate, if there's no will, executor, administrator, same job, different title. It just tells you whether there was a will or not. And the letters testamentary are the authority granted by the court for someone to actually act as the um, actually act on behalf of the estate and um, and in acting on behalf of the state actually turn around and start handling paying debts, paying bills, things like that, and then eventually distributing the property out of the probate estate. So letters testamentary are not needed as a general rule when you have a trust involved because one of the purposes of having a living trust is to avoid the probate process entirely. That's why I'm a major advocate of living trust planning. Uh, I find going through probate is the least efficient, most public, most expensive way to pass on an estate from one person to the people they want it to go to. So uh, so if you are thinking right now, gosh, I probably do living trust planning myself. Uh, I do offer free consultations. You can go to my website at lawbob.com. You can register for a consultation. Happy to give you half an hour of my time to talk over your situation and see if uh, it's something where I could assist you. Uh, I will also say, as an aside, um, having a trust, having a living trust and having a residence in that trust, your residence, means that if you have to go into a nursing home and you qualify for Medi-Cal to pay for nursing home, they won't be able to take your residence after you die. It will be able to go on to the people that you want it to go to and the state will not be able to recover against it anymore. That's a change in the law that went into effect a couple of years ago, and it's meant that there are many families that have no, are now not losing the family home because a parent had to go into a nursing home and needed to have their long-term care payments picked up by the state of California. So here, okay, here's out of San Diego, and you've got a family that says, hey, we have an irrevocable trust and we want to remove certain trustee qualification requirements. We want to modify or amend the trust. All the beneficiaries agree to this, and the grantor, the creator of the trust, has passed. What's the procedure to do this in California? Do we file a petition with the court? The answer is yes. Uh, This would be a petition under Probate Code Section 15403, which permits the beneficiaries of an irrevocable trust to modify the terms of the trust. I do these regularly for the clients of attorneys around the state of California. I do them in a county here in the Bay Area where I can do them without a formal hearing. I can do them, uh, that's called ex parte. I can do them with the consent of everybody and often get them done within about a week. If you have a situation like that and you're in the Bay Area or anywhere in the state of California, give me a call at 408-247-0444 or email me at radio@lawbob.com, and we can start a dialogue, <clears throat> figure out how I can help you out and help with those situations. Like I said, I do a lot of these here in California. I've probably done about 13 or 14 so far this year. And I expect I'll probably do another six or seven before the end of the year is out. So if that's something that you need assistance with, feel free to contact me and I should be able to help. Well, we're coming up on the third break of the show today. I hope you're enjoying it so far and you haven't tuned out. If you heard me just make that comment, then you're still listening. But um, when we come back after this third break, we'll finish the show. As I say, we're coming around the far turn heading for the finish line and i'll finish out the show with more questions and comments from around the state of california this is attorney bob bergman and i'll get back to you after the final break for the show today
1: now back to plan your estate radio once again your host estate planning trust and probate law specialist Attorney Bob Bergman.
2: Well, hi. We're in the last segment of our show today. As I said before the break, I hope you've enjoyed it so far. And uh, and we we only have about uh, roughly eight minutes of show left today. But I want to cover some more questions and comments from around the state of California and then wrap up the show as we go into this weekend. I don't know about where you're here in the Bay Area, but it's been a beautiful day here in San Jose. It's one of the days that reminds me why I love living here in this valley. Uh, I've lived here in the Santa Clara Valley for uh, 51 years now. And I can honestly say it's uh, it's a great place to live. Yes, we have a lot of traffic, but that's kind of a reflection of the economy here, which is seems to be doing pretty well here in the valley. And... Uh, and But beyond that, I still love living here, and I can't really picture living uh, anywhere else, uh, having been here pretty much my entire adult life and a third of my youth as well. Now, here's a question out of Los Angeles, which I think kind of highlights a, a fairly common confusion about what trusts are. Uh, The question is, does a dynasty trust or generation-skipping trust need to keep board minutes? All right, so let's let's unpack this. First of all, board minutes or minutes of board meetings are something that you find with corporations. Corporations have annual meetings. Corporations have minutes of board meetings. Where it would summarize what was discussed at the board meeting, this is meeting of the the board of directors of the corporation, uh, what was discussed? Were there any decisions made? Were there resolutions made and passed? things like that. That's what board meetings are for in a corporation. A trust does not have a board of directors; it has a trustee or trustees, and it doesn't keep minutes now that doesn't mean that it doesn't keep records of any kind. Certainly, if there's things bought or sold or accounts open or closed, you keep the the records of that. But one of the things that's interesting is um, that questions asked about a dynasty or generation skipping trust. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of that term before, but a dynasty trust or generation skipping trust is what I call in my practice. And you may have heard this before if you're listening for a while what I call the castle trust. It's a trust that receives property, for example, from a parent put into trust for the benefit of a child or grandchildren. And uh, and it's intended to not be owned by the child during the child's lifetime, but instead passed on to the next generation, skipping the generation in between, skipping the generation with the child, and then ultimately passed on to the grandchildren or great-grandchildren. This type of trust is set up to provide asset protection for the child because the child doesn't actually own the property. Instead, they're given the use and benefit of the property, typically for lifetime, and then it's passed on at the child's death to the next generation. Uh, This type of trust has very specific tax rules that apply to it. But one thing it does not have is board minutes because there's no board of directors for a generation skipping dynasty trust. Okay. Here we go. Okay. My spouse and I own a house as tenants in common. Now, what that means is they each own their own respective interests in the house separate from each other. It's not. Community property, meaning it's owned by the husband, uh, by the spouses, as um, a, as um, property of the marriage, but it's owned each as separate property of each of them. Probably fifty-fifty. Says when I die, and the person says they're ill and will die soon, so let's just get that out there. My spouse will own half the property, and want my two adult children to own the other half. This is all laid out in my will. But then I learned that probate will be required, and I was trying to avoid that. Would it work in this case for me to register a transfer-on-death deed to ensure my half of the property will be owned by my children immediately upon my death and not have to go through probate? The short answer is yes. A transfer-on-death deed basically states that when I die, my interest in this property goes to this person or these people. Uh, So this person could actually use a transfer on death deed. I will caution, though, that a transfer on death deed is kind of like naming a beneficiary on a bank account. You hope that the beneficiary survives you. Uh, If the beneficiary, in this case the two children, if one of them died before this person died, uh, it would mean that that one's 25% of the property or half of the half of the parent that's dying uh, could not transfer to them because they're not alive anymore so you could still end up with a probate even though you're trying to avoid probate I think the better thing would be for this person to create a simple trust transfer their half interest into the trust and then lay out how it's going to transfer to the children and what happens if one or both of the children had already died Um, I think that would be better So we're coming up on the end of the show. I've got less than a minute to go. I want to remind you all I have seminars coming up in October. Likely have public seminars coming up in the middle of November. Uh, You can always contact me at radio at lawbob.com. Visit my website at lawbob.com. And you can find out a lot of good, interesting information there. But until next week, this is attorney Bob Bergman. And I'll talk with you next week. Have a great weekend, Bay Area.
1: You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio.